0: Show Show us us your your
1: love, baby,
0: and you've dialed in to the heavyweight heartbreaker, heart baby.
2: Welcome along to episode 6 ladies and gents, appreciate you taking the time once again out of your weekly schedule to lend us your ear and show us your love by tuning in to the Heavyweight Heartbreak Hotline. I'm of course Hugo Bloom and I'm hosting alongside Brad Tannen as usual and this week we speak with a real British wrestling power couple. That's right, we speak to Becca and Dutch from Fight Factory Wrestling, based out of Lincolnshire, and as well as our sit-down with them, we have this week's What's Hot and What's Not, as well as this week's Tip of the Week, brought to you by Hustle Malone. Enjoy.
0: And it's time for this week's Who's Hot and Who's Not. Each week we'll give a shout-out and love to somebody we think deserves it and we'll be giving the thumbs down to someone or something that doesn't. And this week's what's hot? Well, it has to be Hathor Bjornsson and the 501kg world record deadlift. What an absolute tank. He's called the mountain in Game of Thrones, and by God, did he just prove it. What a lift. (laughs) And for this week's what's not? Well, little birdie tells me that good old Jimbo... He's got himself in some hot water, so for this week, I'm going to hand it over to him. Uh,
3: uh, hello, it's it's Jimbo here. I'm I'm stuck in a German bin. I was I was trying to get some money out of recycling, and I've recycled myself. Can can you come? Can you fly to Germany and help? Thanks. Bye.
2: So this week, we're talking to Becca and Hayden uh, from Fight Factory up in Lincolnshire. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Yeah,
3: you're welcome.
2: Um, And we'd like to start off by sort of getting to know uh, Fight Factory a little bit more. So we we previously mentioned that it started as Lincoln Fight Factory Wrestling as a community interest club, I believe, back in 2012, 2013, something around that time.
3: Yeah, it was around um, so we uh, were approached by uh, another kind of wrestling company within Lincoln who um, wanted to start some training. Um, he'd been putting on some shows, and Hayden had been on um, with him, and um, he saw that there was a, a niche market there that you know he wanted to produce this, this wrestling school. So Hayden said, "Well, you know, I know somewhere that we can go." Um, and we can get some ring time, et cetera. And we actually started out within Lincoln Fight Factory, um, which is a MMA, boxing, mixed martial arts um, place in Lincoln, who we've known the owner of there for years. Um, so he kind of gave us a space on a Sunday, and uh, we started up the club. Um, but it, well, <laughs> the,
1: the promoter started the club, and... Um... He never actually turned up until the end of the sessions to collect the money. Um, oh. I, was, I was literally going there for ring time and ended up being thrown in at the deep end trying to teach people how to do things. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a very strange time, but we, we were very lucky in that we had a lot of connections that could come in and do uh, weekly uh, sessions for us uh, because in my head, I was nowhere near ready to, to do any sort of teaching.
2: And what was your experience levels at that point? How long had you been working shows yourself?
1: Well, I'd only been back, say, a year and a half, two years, something like that. Um, I have a really bad memory for a lot of things. So, um, yeah, I would um, got the okay from uh, my physio, my doctor and my surgeon to go back to training in a gym in, I believe it was 2009.
3: Yeah, because that's when I was um, born.
1: And then within a year, I was uh, going to wrestling schools. Um, and then it just all happened so quickly uh, that we sort of met this promoter in Lincoln that we never really knew. We knew of, you know, but we didn't know him too well. We knew everybody else who wrestled Amazing. for him.
3: Yeah. Um, and a lot of the older guys as well around him. Yeah. We knew. So, um so after a few weeks of him turning up and picking up the paycheck and Hayden doing all the hard work, I kind of sat back and went, I don't like this.
1: Something not, right. Something not <laughs> right. you know. What started with it is we then said, you know, you either come and train everybody or we take over this and put the money into the club because it needs money to pay for itself. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Um, so we, we sorted that out and we had a... Sort of close working relationship with him. I think he ran four to six shows a year. Yeah,
3: he um, students on. Didn't and they? he
1: put a lot of the guys on who were training there. And he'd turn up once in a blue moon to have a look. And so would some of the other older guys who were never going to be involved. Uh, they had a look at him and said, Yeah, okay, they're ready to come over to these shows. And they were very, very British shows. You know, they weren't yeah. um, a lot of what you see nowadays. Um, so. That happened and we asked him to help us um, promote this show for my mum because she'd never seen me in any sort of wrestling capacity except for on the internet. Um, she been yeah. to uh, one of the gyms and done some promo shots, but she'd never actually been there live. So at the time she was sick. Um, we tried to do a show to raise some money for the uh, hospice that was looking after her. Um, and she never made it to that show. Um, and then once the promoter we were working with realized, well, his shows were drawing 70 to 100 people. And on our first one, we drew 450. Wow. He tried to run a charity show a few months later. So when I said to him, you know, well, this it being a charity show, I can plug it all over my socials. He was no, uh, no Einstein at a computer. He was worse than me. Um, so I said, if I promote it, you know, we'll hopefully be able to, to get you a bigger draw um and he spilled the words oh it's it's just a free way of advertising it gets people in if you say it's for charity and that's oh that's not
3: yeah yeah wow um and then we carried on running as like a community interest club and you know we built the club up etc but um we needed to make it more of a business to make it more successful Um, and we
1: were two lots yeah. of insurance because of the two brand names yeah. with us being a community club and putting on shows. So one show would be for charity. One would be for, for us. Um, yeah. We had to pay two lots of insurance on the van, two lots of insurance on the ring, two lots of insurance for me um, and public okay. liability insurance twice. It was just draining money.
3: So that's why we decided to put it together um, under Fight Factory S in UK and then do our Body Slams the Cancer show um, once a year. But then we do loads of little other things that we raise money for across the year. Um, so just for example, randomly, um, uh, we were supporting, St Barnabas this year um, and we decided that I would do the 10K run in July Um and that's obviously not wrestling it's running but it's under that kind of banner that we wanted to support them throughout the whole year so we would do other yeah. little events that would then lead into the body slams to cancer pot so we would be able to donate more money um and unfortunately at the minute because of covid the the um the 10k has been postponed for now um so I don't know when that's going to go ahead, but we are hoping everything will be back open in time for us to do our body slams to cancer this year, but it's all up in the air at the minute.
2: And what's the uh, current current date for this year's body slams to cancer? If
3: I remember rightly, it's October the 4th, but just let me double check my calendar. Really.
2: <laughs> I think it comes, going back to Dutch's point about uh, memory, I think it comes part and parcel with wrestling, doesn't it? In terms of maybe taking one one too many shots to the head. Uh, also, very late late <laughs> nights, a lot, dri- lot, lot of driving, a lot of driving, late mornings,
1: early mornings,
2: all of that I stuff. I don't know
1: if you can publish this bit, but I had a horrible history with drugs and stupidity with wrestling. No protected headshots or anything, so um, I'm pretty sure there's there's some sort of brain damage going on there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, and
2: I, I think back in well, I don't know what 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 year did you start Dutch? What, what year did you start?
1: Was two thousand.
2: Yeah, and and we were we were talking to to Ash last week about or the week before. Sorry about sort of those early two thousands, obviously, uh, before any sort of real information was available around sort of headshots and and all that kind of stuff. But it was um, like a
1: bad yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's more different time. Badge of honour, wasn't it? I think uh, it was mentioned.
3: Yeah, there's so much more research now surrounding concussions and things like that, but um, as part of the academy rules and regulations, I have it in that if if we suffer a concussion, then we're three weeks out completely of no training, no nothing. You have to take that three weeks off. Um
1: And she will test them as well. Yeah, so
3: I make sure that that's done because at the end of the day, you know, the guys have life outside of wrestling where they need to do their day jobs and they need to look after their families. And as you get older, you know, there's so much going on with, you know, early onset dementia and things like that that can be caused through concussion just not worth it. Um, And sometimes the guys get a bit grumpy with me because I take away their pleasure of wrestling. But I say to them, look, this is is for your longevity in wrestling. Um, And I also say, you know, when we're in the ring, let's not bump unnecessarily. You know, you've got to protect your bodies. You should be able to do this without bumping left, right and centre. Think about, you know, how you're going to be in 10 years' time is your body still going to be able to function as well as what it does now?
2: Um, so, it's work. It's, it's about working safe and working smart, isn't it? I mean, we say that a lot. If you're if you're training, I don't I, I don't know exactly how long your sessions are. But if you're training two, three, four hours over weekend, uh, and then potentially doing a show later on that day, if you're doing pre-show training or anything like that, you don't you don't need to be. Yeah, like you say being that intense all of the time um as as i think it's known within the wrestling community again about like the metaphorical uh like bump clock um your body only has so much damage it 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 can sustain before it starts failing whether it's joints whether it's muscle damage whether it's you know or brain damage there was Um, a
3: documentary out there somewhere um and my father was a chief um, consultant of Hull A&E department. And he was in that role for many, many years. He's a very, very smart man. He did a documentary with his next door neighbour who has a massive interest in wrestling. And he said, each time you hit the canvas, it's the equivalent of being hit by a car at twenty five miles an hour. So if you, wow. if you do that on a regular basis and you're not protecting yourself, that is an impact that is going on and, on and on and on and on and on and your body just can't cope with it. So, you know, when we then, <laughs> I turned up with a fella who's interested in wrestling and, oh, by the way, we're gonna start up a company. You know, you can imagine how well that went down. Um, but it's it's given us the the knowledge to drive the academy in the right direction and in the safe direction.
2: Absolutely. And it's it's really refreshing to hear, not that I'm necessarily hearing from uh, other promoters that, you know, let's just put people through the ringer and see how they cope. But it's it's really refreshing to actually hear that uh, promoters and trainers are putting in those precautions around sort of the health and safety of their talent. I mean, at the end of the day, without sort of the talent and also without the fans, there is no show, um, but it's really good to hear of other companies that sort of putting those things in place, um,
0: especially at uh, the independent level. You don't really hear often um, mm-hmm. of of this policy that like you've got in, got in place. That's yeah, that's really refreshing.
2: It's the equivalent of a wellness policy, isn't it? And yeah, and, and yeah as, definitely. As professional wrestling isn't exactly regulated, or isn't regulated, oh. shall we say, on on any level, it's good to know that you've got a certain set of principles and certain set of morals. Oh. That are guiding
1: you in your sort of,
2: your, we've your had um,
1: talent turn up the shows who have come externally, and after hearing from the night before they've been knocked stupid, um, Becca has sent them home before we. You know they have been paid, but the risk is not worth it, and it does upset some performers. And for me personally, I get real, real, Um, arty, um when I've been told no, you know, but um, when you sit back and realise, you know, it is the longevity for me being late thirties. You know, there's not that longevity left in the in this for me, um, and I already feel the effects of um, memory loss and aches and pains everywhere. So when she's telling these younger ones, look, you know, not tonight, then. I just hope they can take that step back and realise why. Um, what we've been doing yeah. during this uh, COVID crisis is we've been trying to put out the odd video on our YouTube channel. And there's one of the videos on there where the week before one of the lads got um, knocked out um, and he was in the match, but we found a way of keeping him in there without him doing anything, which kept him uh, in his role as the villain. Um and I don't think anybody had noticed watching that match that he was still in a um, predicament. He was, yeah.
3: He was still um, but we managed to protect
1: today. him and protect the business by keeping him in that role, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Again,
0: that goes back to absolutely. working smart. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, from uh, sort of an outside looking in, uh, one thing I've always noticed about Fight Factory and and you two are very much seem to be the parents of, of the school there. Um, obviously, you you run the, the Dutch Courage Gym on. If you just tell us, you know, how did obviously you've come from this Fight Factory school? How did you get to the point you are now? Do you have a building on your own or your own venue? So now?
1: Um, we started in the kickboxing gym and we just got such yeah. numbers that if another class was going on, say upstairs the MMA guys or the other side of the room, because it was a very very big. Uh, gym, uh, the other side they had the kickboxes in, it just became overcrowded, so That's we needed loud, to, yeah, uh, we needed to sink or swim basically. Um, our reputation had got half good, um, at this point, so we said, right, okay, we've got the numbers to be sustainable. Um, we spoke to Sean, who runs uh, the Fight Factory gym, and said, you know, we we want to see what we can do. Um, totally amicable uh, when we left and we found it, our own building and we've been in there for three years. Um, and it's it's been good. It's been a good three years. We're, we are currently in the position where we're moving, but COVID's slowing that down. So we've taken the gym down um, and we are in the process of moving to a new building. but
3: We just have to go into storage for a little bit. Um, to be fair, COVID's done a bit of a favour because we needed like a bit of a timescale where we could close, move, get planning permission and things like that. Because in this business, you can't just have an industrial unit as a wrestling gym. You have to change. Absolutely.
2: Your, yeah. Change gym, your use. Uh,
3: leisure. Yeah. There's which a lot is, of places that is, don't follow that. Which is basically the council 500 quid <laughs> from you to go, yes, you can use it as a wrestling gym the most infuriating eight weeks of your life. Um, so the fact that COVID has closed us down means that we can pack up, do the plan the mission and not kind of lose out on training time because we can't do it anyway. Um, and it's also, it means that I can move the gym without having to plan shows and do everything else that's involved um, with it because my schedule is so hectic when it comes to trying to run Fight Factory. It's unreal. Um, so hopefully by kind of end of July, we'll all be moved and hopefully we can reopen. But I I don't know when gyms are going to be allowed to open again this year. Sh- that's the bit. That—that mm. That is just the little bit that will either cause us to sink or swim in that, We'll need to pay a rent on a new place, but you've not got a lot of income coming in, so it's kind of sat there,
0: mm. waiting. For those, sorry, for those potentially interested in, in coming along, where is the new? So the new we're venue?
3: hoping to be in Tentercross Street, which is in the centre of Lincoln. It's literally next door to the railway station. Yeah, you
1: step off the train, walk over the bridge, it, and you're there. Yeah,
3: it, it is just amazing. It's a perfect um, area, venue, etc., for us to be in and um, and as soon as the council hopefully gives us planning permission then we'll be able to get everything up and running um, but all of our contact details have stayed the same like our email address and everything and our facebook pages and we'll be keeping everybody up to date on there um so that we can um keep all of our fans and prospective students involved so
2: but there's a a few a few things there that that we've mentioned and, and we've gone we've gone at quite a quick pace there that I just want to sort of circle back to. Firstly, uh, we, we were talking about the health and safety element there. I think if if back when I started in 2013, there had been a bit more sort of information around sort of wrestling safe, wrestling smart, I certainly wouldn't have had the five or six concussions I think I've had uh, since, since then. Uh, certainly, I, I would have been a bit more sort of switched on and a bit smarter to the fact that probably not wise whilst under a concussion (laughs) black eye to to be going to the gym the next day and trying to lift heavy and everything that I was because I just thought at that point I'm immortal it's fine I've just got a headache for two weeks but actually you know it was was a grade one concussion and I should have been sat at home not really putting any pressure or strain on my body and then but yeah there, there was none of the sort of I think information certainly not uh bestowed onto myself um at the time that you know so the fact that you turn people away from training or shows i think that's really good and at the end of the day everyone right now is going through the same lockdown the same ban from wrestling uh, and and wrestling training and the fact that you know group classes obviously people can train in their gardens and all the rest of it but the, the group classes are ceased so you know if you can do this you can take your 2 3 weeks off that you're that you should do to to recover from stuff like that i think the the other point that you that you really nailed and or that you touched on was around the actual setup that you guys had and that you'll have when you move into your new place and the fact that you have a dedicated facility for the the the, the trainees the workers to come learn the, learn the craft of wrestling but also you've got all the sort of cardio and strength equipment there in that space there's i i can't think of many places i mean again don't get me wrong but i've I've not been absolutely everywhere within the uk yet um but there's i, I can think of a, a few examples like house of pain uh all-star wrestling up in the north by dean allmark that they, they, they've got a similar setup where they've got that uh they've got that weight and and gym stuff and they've got the the rings up Uh, There aren't many places like that, that they are generally just sort of cohabited spaces uh, where classes will happen on a Saturday or on a Sunday and and the shows will happen potentially there or in other halls around that sort of local area. But to have everything in one place, I mean, I, I would kill (laughs) for for a setup like that um, to be on my doorstep. And I mean, I'm not, against traveling for something like that but for those that are within yeah. your area uh, or within any of the areas of schools with that setup you should be chomping at the bit oh. to get hold of that and mm. you know i'm I, I sit here now sort of with with my clist uh, sorry clenched fists just of envy and, and jealousy that people have that and um You know, I I really hope that people are making the most of that sort of setup. I think it's
1: what we try and encourage with with our homegrown guys is to go to other places as well. You know, um, some to see um, how uh, everyone has a different way of learning. And what you what you can see a lot of is you see guys come from one school. They have a similar style and, and it helps them change their style. But some places they can go to and it makes them realize how lucky they are. You know, and not to say we're the best school in the UK because we know where we sit. You know? um, but some places don't have a ring and they have to learn the way that a lot of us learn where it's just on a mat or on a floor. You know, um, we yeah. have a ring up 24-7 and, you know, they have the history of having a safe ring to work with. So
2: Yeah, and I think, even where, I mean, where I first started, again, it was just mats and the crash mats for the high, the the, the big bumps and, and moves. Um, you learned your spatial awareness on a particular number of the mats, jigsaw mats that are set out. But again, there's there's nothing for, you know, you can't imitate ropes. You can't imitate corner posts. Uh, you can't imitate pacing of you know running the ropes and um, again having that is so valuable let
1: me sort out a child (laughs) the
3: um the one thing that I said um when we started all of this is that we needed to do it properly you know we were only able to start fight factory properly um because of Hayden's mum passing away you know she left him some money and we could have um, gone on a fantastic family holiday to Disneyland or something like that. But actually we said, no, we want to put this into the company and build it from there. And I said, well, if we're gonna do it, we do it properly. And that meant that I was putting health and safety um, things in, we've got safeguarding policies, you know, child protection policies, both Hayden and I DBS checks, everything you name it, we made sure that it was above board because there were there was talk at one point of um, like a British wrestling council um, and I was very aware that we were unregulated as a business across the UK. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, we haven't just put all this time and effort into it for all of a sudden the government to go, no, you need to be regulated and actually you don't make the cut. You don't have what we need to... Um, to allow you to to still keep going. Um, And I said, right, we're going to put everything in place so that if one day the government comes knocking and says, right, what safety policies have you got in place? You know, are you going to be able to adhere to this? And I could go, actually, yes, we can. Because that way, I know that morally, we've done everything to keep all of our academy safe. And even when we go out on ring hires and steel cage hires, etc., that's all health and safety, because that's how it should be um and it means i can sleep at
4: night
2: so. and that was something i was going to come on to as well you mentioned there the ring hires and the cage hires uh going back to the point you made about sort of hectic schedule so you've not only got to manage uh a school of uh, trainees and workers coming through your academy the fact that you've got a gym premises the fact that you do your own uh shows you also do charitable events you also obviously let out your setup or yeah. certain elements of your setup for smaller or e- even promotions that don't necessarily want to or, um you know make that that large investment themselves and they can we, obviously hire you on a on a basis
3: but we've also supported the likes of world of sport in their tour in the we were kind of brought in to make sure that the rings were put up properly because they'd seen how our team works and they knew that I could, between me and Hayden, get a wrestling ring up in any venue, anywhere, and that really sounds like I'm blowing my own trumpet, but I know what I'm doing and it's...
1: People saw the paperwork that we have, I'm back by the way, complete the child's
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I just, yeah. because we do things properly and because I've got all of the, the health and safety paperwork and things like that, and I actually go in and I go, right, well, how are you going to make sure that's safe? What are you going to do with that? And then they kind of go, oh, okay. Um, so we've worked for companies as big as World of Sport Tour. Um, and then we've we've gone, like, the length and breadth of the country.
1: Gone to Europe with the ring. Yeah,
3: everywhere. Yeah. And, and that is just, I think we've, we've built that and I'm really proud of it. Um. What I really enjoy is that when you turn up to um, a venue, you put your ring up, and then you have wrestlers coming up and going, Oh, I'm so glad it's your, your, your man outside. It's brilliant. Please tell me that's your. Ring.
1: It's <laughs> even been when former uh, WWE guys have gone, Oh, God, it's you. Thank God. <laughs> you know, it's never nice. Yeah, you yeah. yeah. <laughs> know, that's nice.
3: That's nice that the reputation goes before us. So, um, yeah. And as well as as well as the wrestling business and the the ring hire and the academy, I'm also doing my nursing degree and we have to run the family as well. So there's a lot. I live
0: up i so, talking about um, people being envious and glad of your setup, I must say you not only obviously the gym and, and the wrestling school setup, but you probably are the Probably the number one promotion, like in terms of venue that Hugo might remember the name, you might be able to jog my memory, but that it's church, Gainsborough,
2: wasn't it? X Church, yes, I think.
0: that church is just phenomenal. That is just the nicest venue, I think, in the country right now.
2: It's certain, adds a certain atmosphere, doesn't it, to the show, yeah. Obviously, the, the production values that you guys have put in with yes. your, your two big screens as well, either side of the entrance, that really adds to it. Um, but yeah i i'm never going to forget a town that's called gainsborough at the end of the day i mean as as obsessed we are about sort of the gym and gains and we joke about all that sort of stuff and you know we make we make fun out of it but um yeah there's actually a place out there folks called the, the gainsborough there're amazing Fantastic.
1: so i worked as a doorman for 10 years um, before the licensing came in and um it was one of the towns i worked at and it is rough It's a very, very rough town. When we broached the subject of putting shows on there, we just thought, right, we're going to take big guys, we're going to knock the snot out of each other and put on something that looks as close to real as we can do. And They didn't um, like it. They didn't respond to it. No. It was really weird. And then we had our um, popcorn match, so to speak, Um, and it was just a comedy match and the roof blew off the place and ever since then we've found our connection with that town that they can go to the end of their street and see a violent fight or they can come to us and have a break from the party and the fans are just incredible there, it's something else
3: but we're also very very lucky in that we've got an absolutely superb um, media guy who like makes our guys look like superstars so yeah, yeah. he's um, Dark Media Productions We we wouldn't Look how we look! If it wasn't for him and the genius that this guy has got, he ju- he's just fantastic. You know, sometimes him and I be at loggerheads on show day, um because he absolutely drives me insane. But he has never, ever, ever let us down. He is just an absolute. Oh, he's amazing! He, that is, you know, all the lights, all the sounds, everything. That is him. He makes our guys look like superstars, and he's just fantastic. And
1: he's also trained one of our sons to <laughs> to do all that yeah, as well. Yeah, you yeah. Know, there was one where he couldn't make it, yeah. and all the setup was done by the trainees, and and the one of our lads ran the production. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. So it's tonight- one. Go on, Brad. Sorry. So it's it saves a big headache for a promoter when you know you can rely on someone to do production, I know Hugo involved in UBW has a similar sort of setup with it, with the guy who does the production then it's just so so much of a relief that you can just be hands off and let just be safe in the knowledge that, that your setup's gonna look great because you've got yeah, someone as experienced as yeah. that doing it. That's it.
2: If you've got a specialist or an expert or that's genuinely what they do, you know, nine to five otherwise that or or certainly they've got a keen interest or they're qualified in sort of being a sound technician or a stage technician as I know. Um, we we have at UBW, but if if you've got that again, you, yeah, you can you can hand that off, and you know you're in good hands. You know the right track's going to be played at the right time. There's not going to be one track and a different video playing, and you're not going to have to go, oh, uh, oh, all oh, the mics cut out all of a sudden. Uh, oh, sorry guys, let's just uh, let's just patch back in the sound guy again. We just need to fix this. You don't have any of that on a show day, and, and nor should you. No. People aren't paying for that, but it, 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 believe it or not it happens and i'm I'm sure
3: oh, yeah.
2: you know up and down the country you, you've seen examples if if not live oh, I you've i've done. seen a video somewhere of <laughs>
3: you know, that had, someone's um, posted one of in fact one of our biggest shows actually um we set up and uh not our media guys fault but there was a power cut in the venue and um it got to sort of like 15 minutes after show start. And I was like, this is ridiculous. You know, we've got 400 people sat out there. There's not a show going on. And the venue itself, their electric cupboard, nobody could find the key. Nobody, And I was like, surely this goes against fire regulations, you name it. It was
1: was the second body slam. It was, yeah. yeah.
3: So, um, I basically had to go out in front of a crowd, um, with nothing but my voice, um, and basically explain to them what was going on. But the the fact that the wrestling fans are brilliant, the, you take that stage and you walk down the walkway, you step foot in that ring, they're just, all eyes are on you. And I have never been so nervous in my entire life as what I was that day. Because there's no microphone, there's no nothing, it's just literally me. And luckily, within 15 minutes after that, uh, he managed to find a patch else and come up with this weird and wacky way of getting us back up and running um but that day was just horrendous <laughs> that's right
2: so we've been in um myself and brad have been b- booked on a show before again i think i can't, I can't remember where or when but there, there have been difficulties with sound and you know mics cutting out or mics not working um but me and Brad always come to the ring with a, a megaphone. That's part of our look. That's part of our, <laughs> it's part of our, uh, our gimmicks as such. And, um, we've actually lent out this microphone, uh, sorry, a megaphone to the, to the promoter <laughs> as a replacement. So certainly it's a temporary replacement until they could sort their stuff out. And, you know, it's just li- little things. like that. It, it made me laugh. We couldn't use it for our entrance, but, um, Lo and behold, the this, this show went on. So that was, yeah, it's a little, little story from us
0: um, around that. It's time for the tip of the week for when the tip
4: is more than enough. Yo, what is up, you absolute bunch of Melvins? This is the Heartbreakers tip of the week and it is being brought to you. It is being crashed. By the Crown Prince of Sacrifice Pro and the Nightmare Fuel, Hustle Malone. And this week's tip of the week, whoa, well, this week's tip is to drink bleach. That's right, drink bleach, the tasty treat for all ages. It goes great with a pina colada. Look, I'm just joking, right? I'm just joking. You know, I know I shouldn't have to say it, but you know, UBW fans, it kind of, yeah, it goes with the consensus. Look, this week I'm giving you two tips from good old Hustle Malone. The first one is to be the master of the YouTube tutorial. You can learn anything from YouTube and yes I do mean anything. I'm teaching myself portrait photography at the minute so when I come back all of you with your sideways mobile phone out of focus with your thumb over the corner quote-unquote professionals can be left in the dust. I'm also learning the keyboard as of next week so I can play myself to the ring like a cross between Elias and Stevie Wonder and I'll travel to the ring on a little platform as I travel along with a little smile. You know the platforms like at WrestleMania, the Greek one? You'll love it. It'll be great. You can learn absolutely anything. And even for you professional quote-unquote wrestlers, you you can look at Till We Make It by Mike Quackenbush for advice on the business, or you can learn Hold for Hold from Jonathan Gresham from his YouTube channel Octopus University. There's no excuse to come into quarantine the exact same person as when you leave it. So be a better you because you can't cheat the hustle. My other tip, well, that would be to check out the the Show Day podcast. I don't know if you've heard it. the Show Day podcast on Apple Pods and Spotify, hosted by Hustle Malone. I talk to names like Chief Deputy Dunn, Mad Kurt, Charles Crowley, the whole gang. So be sure to check that out, and uh, I'll send you back to Aquaman and SpongeBob. Peace.
2: This week's product of the week, actually, is something that I was recommended by the guys at Fight Factory Wrestling, and that is a product called Endure. Endure is a blend of BCAAs and EAAs, which is manufactured by a company called TWP Nutrition, and it's part of their Platinum Series. Now, I'm currently trialing the uh, Blue Snow Cone Flavor, which is something special indeed. It's easy to drink, mixes well. And it's good for before, during or after exercise. And in fact, this past weekend just gone, I took it on my seven mile run. And recovery for me was no issue with Endure as it contains the right amount of electrolytes required to stay hydrated during exercise. Um, If you're interested to find out more, you can find TWP's Endure product online. In fact, if you go on Instagram uh, after the podcast and search for and follow at team underscore OHS, hit them up, drop them a message. Tell them that Uncle Hugo sent you and they'll sort you out with um, a number of different flavors that actually comes in uh, for you you to pick from. Um, But right now it's time to go back to our chat with Becca and Dutch. We, we've we've talked about um, the the school and obviously the fact you're moving premises. Let's let's talk about some of the talent you've got at Fight Factory Wrestling right now, and also those guys that maybe aren't quite there yet, but you know, give them a few months or a certain amount of training more, and and they'll be debuting. You know, can can you tell us about some of the guys that or guys or girls that you've got in the academy at the moment, and and that you're that you're really you know, uh, polishing and, you know, you're pushing them to be a, a big star, if not now, you know, so, not not, long, um, not far in the future. We've had
1: uh, Will Cruz came through us. Um, he's now, well, now locked in the same as the rest of us, but he's out there, you know, he's uh, doing a lot of work all around. He's been to Europe, he's been to the States. Um, so we're really proud of him. We've had uh, Brett Myers, who's come through us, um, he was starting to get a bit of steam behind him before uh, all this happened. And Eliza Rue as well. So they're the three that have really broke out and and done quite a bit. Uh,
2: and so just yeah. touching on uh, Will and Brett there, uh, those, were, those were the guys that actually uh, I went up against when I tagged with Sticks yeah. uh, for yeah. you guys at Body Slams Cancer last year. Both, yeah, solid guys. Could not, could not. Put a, put a step wrong. Um, Will, for his size and the fact that he's a big powerhouse, is so <laughs> agile and that is incredibly rare.
3: It's, it's actually a pleasure to watch him wrestle, to be um, fair, because you wonder how on earth he manages to do half the stuff he does.
1: Um, I cannot wait right. to the day when <laughs> I say, I told you so, because he has to slow down every now and then. Yeah, um, yeah for, for such a, a big <laughs> lad, the, the kid is so agile, it's, it's sickening.
3: And he's lovely as well.
1: Oh, yeah, he's one of the nicest guys.
3: Yeah, pleasure yeah. to be around. So
2: Brett as well, fantastic character, really great guy. Who, who was the third? Eliza Room, Sorry, I, I didn't quite catch that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah she was so on the same show, actually. Um,
3: she's currently taking a, a little break from wrestling at the minute because she's finishing her university studies. Um, and obviously that has to take precedence. But she... Um, she the first training session she came to was actually when we were still back in the old kickboxing premises and it took her an hour just to step through the door um and she was so nervous when she first came like so cried so away for the session yeah basically um and she really took hold of her character really developed it, it took so much information on board and really kind of went with it and the amount of pride that I have for how well she's done and how she has developed herself is just immense. Um, she's She will go far um, because she's just so talented, naturally. Yeah. Um, and she, she's going to be one of the driving forces behind the up-and-coming female talent. You know, a lot of our younger... Um, wrestling um students from our uh, our like kids class as it were they look up to her you know she she is just she's just brilliant Mm. so
2: so i I think it was um brad mentioned your gainsborough venue ex-church earlier for atmosphere i think it was uh, a show there that well we, we we first introduced ourselves to you and Eliza was yeah. on with, uh, is it Amelia Archer? I think it was also one of your female talents. So, and, and they had a blinding yeah. uh, singles really match on that females. night.
3: Um, um, Amelia Archer came up um, through GWA, actually, from Grimsby. And she started there and then um, that academy closed down and she took a break from wrestling for a little bit. Um, and then she wanted to come back, and she said, "You know, Jermaine, can can I come over to you?" And uh, she came, and she was doing private sessions, wasn't she, with yeah. us for a while? Um, but she's just got so much natural ability, and like her um, her changes that she's made to her physique, etc., over the last few years has been immense as well. She's like, does she, yeah, she does she does.
2: have a uh, gymnastics background? I think. There was, so, oh, there was something about the way she moved yeah. in the ring and some of the moves that she actually that, pulled off. Is that I the was, split, split-legged leg see. drop? Yes. That, oh, oh yes.
3: You know, She can do it, yeah, and is. apparently it doesn't hurt. But I I beg to differ. <laughs>
2: I tell you what, I had never seen anything like it. And I no, it. I strictly remember see, watching that match on, on that evening at Gainsborough and seeing that and then just, just turning my head to the left, <laughs> Brad, who had already turned his head to the right, and we both, we both had our jaws on the floor, at the like, point going, "Wow!" Like, where, where, where um, did that even come
3: from? <laughs> but then, moving on from them two, we've got uh, Damien Valentine, yeah, who is just—he came into it, had a bit of a dad bod, has a really eccentric but lovely personality. Knew exactly what he wanted from his character, and he lives it, breathes it. You name it. Once he is in that ring, you cannot falter him. He is no longer Aaron. He is Damien, and the the work he has put in as well to changing his physique as well, to improving his fitness and his in ring psychology as well. He's like he's always like five steps ahead. Like the, the the plan he puts together is fantastic, and he's always good at recovering as well.
2: So so the thing I think we noticed about Damien on uh, at that particular show, again, if I wrap my brain back, and Brad will probably remember it as well, was the uh, pre match promo mm. and just how again with the lights, the atmosphere, the production values, and then the fact that the crowd were just silent and just not not silent because they had turned off they, they were silent because they were just tuned in and listening in, in you you know when it feels sort of you don't want to be the person to make a noise during a production mm-hmm. or something you just sort of looked at. It. We, we, we were in that position where we were off to one side and we could sort of see everyone not just just looking but you could see the connection there and I, I, I've spoken to Damien on a couple of occasions since then around sort of fitness gym work yeah. his transformation I think he posted on Instagram recently done a bit of a Q&A on you know, how he, how he did it. And I think I asked him about sort of how long it took him, you know, diets and all that sort of stuff. So he's again, and, and what I like about that is that he's someone yeah. that is willing to share that information. You'll, you'll come across, you'll come across plenty of people again, not just in wrestling, but any, any industry that, you know, if they know something, they know, they know the, the, the tricks and the tips and stuff behind achieving yeah. something, they'll keep it close to their chest. But when some, when someone's more than willing to sort of share that information with the next generation, uh, but also their peers um, uh, on, on the scene currently, you know that that just shows again another level of sort of professionalism over those that would just be like, oh well, it just kind of happened. It's it's just a natural thing when actually yeah, behind he, the scenes, someone who
1: will always ask for advice, he will it. always happily um, give advice, and if he doesn't know the answer, he's one of those guys who will try and find the answer for you. Um, he's he's someone who took to this so well so so well
2: Yeah. who else have you got coming through that's maybe not um, necessarily on the main shows yet or certainly not uh, a regular we, we just uh, started getting um, a
1: few shows under my daughter's belt um, so she's had four or five outings now and quite a bit of interest externally Jack, Jack of Clubs. Jack of Clubs. Yeah, he's um, he's been getting a little bit. We've we've had him for on shows for maybe six months now, something like that. And he gets a very good uh, reaction with the crowd, Um, Um, and his understanding's there as well.
3: We'd um, because of um, Eliza stepping back to do um, her studies, she'd relinquished the junior heavyweight, so we were about to do a junior heavyweight tournament before all this lot kicked off um, and it would have had our upcoming academy guys in there um, so we've got the likes of Christian Caleb um, and Eden Frost, they are just two guys who They it, were
1: supposed to debut yeah, as COVID suppo- kicked Yeah,
3: him. they were supposed to the work, the work ethic of both oh. of them the, the way that you can see their brains ticking when they ring the ring and they're so passionate about it. And you can see when they're, they're like, you know, if they slip up a little bit, they then beat themselves up because they can't believe they've done it wrong. And they're always really, really trying hard. And um, they are really two... lucky in
1: the fact that we've got some of the guys who we could put in there with any external talent or any new guy who have trained with us. They don't want to go anywhere else because of their family commitments and their jobs. They just want to stick at this for a hobby. They sit at the top of the roster. Um, they will encourage the newer guys and they'll push them forward and they'll say to them all the little things where promoters have said to them, Hey, we'd like to use you because of this, because they don't want that external work. They're passing on that knowledge. So someone like this totally ruins kayfabe for him, but Tobin grace, um, he's, oh, yeah. he's one of our guys who we could put in there with anybody and he could, he could sit anywhere in the card. He knows when he's put on a card, what his position is and how to utilize that position he will pass on every bit of knowledge to get the guys that step further where he, in my opinion, should have gone, but didn't necessarily want to go, if that makes yeah. sense. We've been very, like with Laurie as well. You know, Laurie's there yeah, absolutely, and she's more than happy to pass on the knowledge, sit there and watch the matches. And she's travelled all over uh, doing this and wrestled some of the top people in the world. Um, so we've, we are very lucky in that we've got a lot of people who, who put the time into the new guys as well. And so, where you've got new guys that were
2: potentially on the cusp of, you know, making a debut in in this tournament as sort of lockdown commenced, and you know, everyone's in the same boat in the fact that you know we're we're all on this same restriction right now. How are you, and how are the sort of more senior roster members keeping the less experienced, younger members sort of still active, still thinking about wrestling, still thinking about character work? What, What are you guys doing? I guess behind the scenes that your fans may or may not actually see. Um, we have to, a to keep them sort uh, private of fresh Facebook group, and relevant,
1: and um, we share the odd match on there. We're asking the odd questions, like uh, with WrestleMania just happening. Um, I made a point of of saying to them when you're doing training matches in the gym and you struggle to react how you think you would react in front of a crowd. This shows you. That that's important because look at WrestleMania, the biggest stage in the world. They're doing exactly what we do in our gym. Uh, so I ask them to sort of watch the little things and, and yeah. write their own critiques and um, give their own feedback. So we ask them their favorite matches and why to, to give us a breakdown what they see as good psychology. Because to me, there's too many people from my age and older who are too happy to say this is the only way wrestling works. And to me, it's it's a subjective thing. You know, uh, there's there's a lot of guys out there who flip, flop and fly and can't put the psychology into it. But there's a lot of guys who do that, like Robbie X, for example. His psychology is unbelievable and he can do all the flip, flop and flying in the world and it makes sense. So we try and get them to sort of think about things like that, why and, and where to put these things um and then a few of them are keeping in touch privately with um like oh, i'm struggling with training what can i do Just giving them little tips on how to keep motivated. um we're trying to ha- have them do some fun little videos to put out there we have a-, a fan interaction group um so we want them to keep themselves relevant with with the people who pay to watch them by putting out little videos little q and a's and things like that so
3: we've also supplied like gym equipment as well so yeah we're like- given some of the weights away and stuff yeah so they-, they can do that
0: to keep their fitness up. So jealous. So me, me and Hugo, we've both got <laughs> our own versions of garden, a garden gym or a muscle patio, and yeah, it's it's hard. Weights seem to be gold. Dusting the the horrible so thing really is a lot of places put me, their prices up as out. well. It's, it's disgusting.
1: Um, oh, totally. because I've I'd, I'd said yeah. to a few of the guys look with what I can supply I will you know it might not be heavy but just concentrate on your reps and your form and blah 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 blah, blah. Um, but for those of you who've got the better financial situations these are where you can buy decent things from and just for example of Ben has gone up by £100
0: yeah it's crazy I'm lucky enough that I held on to all my old weights and my mum was storing them in her shed so But, yeah, even the second-hand market, it's it's extortionate what people are charging for 15-kilogram weights, for example. It's like 100 quid or something stupid. It's it's just utter madness. £100 for a hexagonal of
2: 15 kilos. Yeah,
3: Yeah. I saw something um, not long back on Facebook where they were renting some weights out for a certain amount of money and time. And I was just like, wow, that is a lot. Like, that is a ridiculous amount of money. That's like having a gym membership for a £100. But that was like two weeks. I was like, that's true. No, that's serious taking advantage.
0: That's crazy.
2: So Dutch, you mentioned there about um, a generational thing around sort of the approach around, around wrestling and Training and stuff like that. And and it sort of it reminded me of something we spoke about just earlier on in this, this episode around um, you guys encouraging people to train elsewhere as well as at your own place. And I think it came up in a conversation with Ash a couple of weeks ago that, um, you know, we, we, we also encourage that sort of, you know, sharing of, of students between schools and, and, and just generally, you know, letting people know based on your experiences where sort of good to train outside of your own place. Because if you, if you just spend your entire wrestling career learning from one person, all you're yeah. going to become is a cookie cutter of that same person. Right. Whereas if you train, uh, I don't know, four or five places uh, over the period of a couple of years, whilst, you know, I'm, I'm not saying you are up up sticks and sort of literally move training schools permanently, but you get that influence. You, you pick one or two things from that place or two or three things from that place. And I think um, I was was speaking to someone else about that. That's their approach to a seminar. If you you take one or two key nuggets of information from a particular seminar and you put that in your back pocket, then you become a slightly, you know, broadened and 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 more seasoned uh, professional. It's like
3: with anything, like you have to have the knowledge behind you in order to be well-versed in it. So, for example, I uh, went into a ward nursing and I took a certain aspect of nursing that I'd learned and I'd learned it really, really well. And then the situation wasn't relevant to how it would be applied. Then that knowledge that I'd got was absolutely not needed and rubbish. But if I like look at different aspects and take bits of information from different professors and different nursing books and things like that, then I'm taking all of that information in and that makes me a better nurse. So and that applies to wrestling. So we bring in other um.
1: So we have a lot coaches, of guys who who aren't necessarily um comfortable in their living situations. Um and you know, wherever we can we try and help people into this. Um so they might not necessarily be able to afford to travel to other places. So we do bring people Coach in again. for seminars and we try to do every year a week of training. So a solid yeah. five to six days of different coaches. And we've done that for the last three to four years where we've had a, a dedicated week of different coaches from not just the UK, but you know, we've had guys from the States in as well, where they come in and just teach little separate things and we create a little group message to make sure they're competing themselves.
3: So we had um Chris Sylvia came over and he his um, seminar was amazing. I actually... I'll let you into a little secret. Wrestling <laughs> isn't really my bag, right? <laughs> um, I... Uh, It's it's never been my thing. It's always been Hayden's baby and I've just kind of followed him up and made sure that everything was done properly. Um, But Chris Silvio absolutely got my attention just to see his seminar and the way that he taught and the way that he engaged the students was just, it was almost like a thing of beauty. This guy just knows so much. And his psychology and everything is absolutely fantastic. And I thought, well, if you can grab my attention and I don't want to learn how to wrestle, then imagine the benefit that the students are getting from that. So we've had him and then we've had like Bram, we've had Nick Aldis, we've had Frank Cullen. Um,
2: you had my adopted <laughs> son. <I had> teaching, <laughs> oh, as, uh, John as Storm, I him- He came up.
3: Uh, I don't call him Johnny I call him Jenny it's a it's a I've got with him Um, but yeah he came up and he's actually been to us more than once and his seminars are fantastic Um, and I think that as a company you should never be frightened to let your students fly the nest a little bit because it's only going to benefit you when they come back Hayden can teach, and and actually, Absolutely. to watch him teach is is fantastic because he loves what he does. But when students come back and they go, oh well, um, Paul Millen teaches it this way. All oh, right, okay. Actually, then he learns from it, and you know, Hayden will take part in the seminars of the the other teachers that we bring in because you never stop learning in this business. The, and
1: came to me with sticks whenever he comes down Absolutely. because he's got such a way with his words um i think he could teach a tree to wrestle if i'm yeah. honest he's brilliant. um he, he explained something to and this happens a lot yeah. <laughs> he explained something to one of the guys and they afterwards they went i can't believe that he said this and it clicked and i'm like but i've been saying this for two years yeah. <laughs> but it's the way he says it that yeah. that makes that difference um mm-hmm. and uh, there's one of the girls who constantly gets ribbed about it now so whenever she goes oh i don't understand oh we'll ring sticks and they will explain it to you you know <laughs> uh, it, it's everyone's got different ways, everyone's <laughs> got different ways. Everyone's been taught different ways so it's just beneficial to everybody
3: yeah never stop learning ever I. You know, I, I'm just learning different aspects. Definitely, of the business. Amen. Uh, There's a there's like an, an an ongoing joke with us and the trainees and Laurie. Um, they'll mention somebody and I'll go who, and they're like, you need to Google that, don't you? And I'm like, yeah, I'm afraid I do. Um, but because I can admit that and I know kind of my faults, as it were, it, it only means that we can produce a better environment for the guys to learn in and we learn together and it's just it's brilliant and I love all of our students it's like one big family so
1: yeah some of them can call us mum and dad as you said earlier
0: <laughs> I say that is from as I said mentioned earlier looking from the outside in Fight Factory seems to be one of the best um, wrestling families there are in the country and, and obviously you two are the the parents of that of that family, because when we come along to the to, to the shows, the sense of um, togetherness is is something that is rarely seen in other places.
2: We're just sort of well, welcomed, weren't we? Really, it yeah. wasn't a case of who are you and what are you doing. You yeah, know? it was a case of Definitely. here, come up, you know, come over, let's have a chat, sort of thing. More than more than anything else, and it was yeah, it was good to come up against or come up to people that are you know open and friendly rather than sort of cliques sitting in a corner in their little circle of chairs where you feel like you can't really talk to anyone or anything like that.
3: uh, I've experienced so many different locker rooms and environments. And as a female promoter, that has been one of the challenging things over the last seven or so years. Um, In the beginning, it was a case of nobody would ever speak to me. It was, oh, we'll ask Hayden. And and Hayden would have to say, no, you need to speak to Becca. That's her bit. That's what she Know, and it was really, really difficult. And, and at one point, yeah. I, I had to be quite I don't know to say, ballsy. I had to go out there and show, no, this is... I
1: think Soraya Knight made you take your face for a dump, didn't she? Yes, yeah, she did. I away. had a
3: really good conversation with her. let them, you know, you are you. You need to be <laughs> you. And go out there and get them, Bird, is what she said to me. and And that was it. And she was... That conversation itself made me realise that I actually, I do have a bit of a place. I know what I'm doing. And I, even though I don't do wrestling, I love the business and I want to see it progress. And I want to, I want to.
1: There's only so long you can say you don't do wrestling. It's been nearly 10 years. I know, but
3: um, (laughs) I don't watch it on the telly box. That's (laughs) it. Because I don't, I just can't. (laughs) <laughs> yeah
4: but it's it's um
3: it's now it, it's we're family run and we are one big family and that is it's what's important to us I think
2: And I think you mentioned there Soraya Knight I mean if Soraya Knight tells you to do something you you do <laughs> it you don't you, you
1: don't ask why she said, jump. <laughs> if you say jump, it's like, how like how, a year how, of that how, 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 how happening? I Ricky of, Knight Junior. turned to back and went, "You just uh, like me, Nan. You scare the <clears throat> out of me." <laughs>
3: <yeah>. <laughs>
2: well, that, that's uh, that's kudos if you've ever had it, I guess. <laughs>
3: She's lovely. I'm, st- I'm still I, frightened. I've got so much respect for that lady. It's unreal. Yeah. Just- You don't don't get to be where they are without building yourself up and knowing what you're doing. Um, Every company, every wrestling promoter makes mistakes. And every wrestling company and wrestling promoter has an opinion of every other promotion. And there can be, sometimes in this wrestling business, so much backstabbing and bad blood and things like that And I just don't get it. I just don't understand why, because surely we're all in it together to build an industry that is entertaining the fans. And if we're all doing it in the right way, then it benefits us all. We should all just work together. And I think there's been more of that recently. You know, a lot more companies coming together and putting on joint um, ventures and joint shows. And I think that can only benefit the industry and it's, positive way
2: to move forward yeah so talking about a collaboration you you feature you you've had quite a long running story with house of pain um you've you've also featured the is it eww champion as well um on your show so i mean and and they're not even necessarily (laughs) You
3: know, it's within a four a short and a half hour so journey goes to, show... to Hastings. Um, and we go there and we do their um, ring hire and. Yeah. Stu, um, we should be
1: bringing a car full of them up here for a few shows as well. And we, like you say, we have their champion uh, Cyrus Shade on the shows. So,
3: and um, you and Tanya Allen, I've got so much love for those guys. They are they yeah. are our people. We get on really well. They oh, yeah. they just they get me and they get Hayden yeah. and we just we just get on and we're so alike. Um, and they have the same morals and principles.
1: A very similar sort of family feel as well. Yeah.
3: Um, Tanya refers to her um, students as her porcelain babies and she loves them and she nurtures them and she molds them and she tells them off when they need it. And um, it, just to see that is fantastic. They have so much respect for her, but it's not like a forced thing. It's an earned thing, you know, that, woman is just immense Um, and she is a very very good friend who would do anything for you you know Um, but they're the kind of people that you need in the wrestling business because they are a mixture of old school but they're developing and moving with the times and they're just they've got it that's all and some of what
2: I've seen I mean unfortunately we we've not had the opportunity to work for, for Stu and Tanya just yet hopefully we will at some point in the future but what i like about them and what i like about you and and guys like WAW on the coast is that they're honest up front and and they you know they're not they're not going to sugarcoat anything there's no no one benefits from sort of sugarcoating a message of you know these are the ways that we would teach you to do something obviously there's a number of ways we're with with that we'd mentioned, you know, it's based on opinion and it's very subjective. Is wrestling in terms of how the right way to do things is, but you know, they're not going to beat around the bush and say, um, you know, they're not going to over egg anything. They're going to be very blunt and honest with you about uh, about things, and 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 that's something that I I really if you're like. You're not going to make find, it in the wrestling you know, industry. So, something if you can you, look up to. You know, there's
3: been a few people who've come into the academy, and you just think actually, you need to stay at the other side of the ropes for your safety and for everybody else's. And you have to be honest with them and tell them that. Yeah. And sometimes it's a bit horrible. Because you think like, you are shattering their dreams or whatever. But at the end of the day, you've got to make sure that your opponent's safe. You know, it's it's about that. It's about keeping everybody safe. Um, and we they work on the same precedence as what we do, is that that ring, you know, that squared circle that you step foot in, it's your responsibility to make sure that, you know, you help put that up because that's what's going to keep you safe. Um, and a lot of, like all of our students know how to build our left ring. And I literally ran that into them. You will build this ring and you will learn how to do it. And you'll learn to do it properly because it means that when they go elsewhere, they can feel if a ring's wrong. They can feel if they're in danger you know, because if anything goes wrong with that ring, that's like broken neck territory. To be able to if it's not going to injure you, yeah, well worse, it's going to yeah. injure the Absolutely. public that sat around that ring when a bolt shoots off into the crowd, etc. So they need to make sure that they know what they're doing as well. And that's one yeah. of the things that we pride ourselves in as well, is that our guys learn to wrestle from the ground up. It isn't just about what they do in the ring; it's about building the ring as well and knowing
1: respect for the venues as well. Like.
3: Yeah, you know we leave a venue exactly how we found it. Sometimes cleaner, um, because that's how it should be. Yeah. And you know, you make sure that when you walk into a locker room, you shake everybody's hand. And I don't just mean like the wrestlers; I mean the sound guy, the woman who's doing the and. The staff Absolutely. at the venue, you know, you make sure that you go in and you say, is there anything you need? Like, you know, can I help? And that that's all about how it should be. It's just just isn't it? Right?
2: Too right. And as I say, wrestling's very, well, it's heavily based on reputation, not necessarily specific brands, but, you know, your average Joe wrestling fan will come to a show promoted by a particular promotion, but that's then their latest impression and um, of wrestling in general. So all it takes is for a really bad experience in one place for them to have a not so great impression, or give a good, not so great reputation for wrestling uh, generally. So. Like, like you say, if everyone worked together and worked a bit more cohesively and shared sort of goals and principles, you know that sort of stuff wouldn't be a a big concern for for many of us. And um, yeah, we we love the fact that you guys have those sort of morals and principles. And and hopefully, you know, as a as a scene and as a community, things will only get better from from here on in. Really,
3: and the break that it's forcing people to take is healing people's bodies and it's giving them the urgency to go out there and wrestle again and I think it's going to bring wrestling companies together and I think it's going to bring the industry together as a whole as well because when we go back out there we're kind of on the same playing field you know there's going to be one massive wrestling party and everybody's invited and I think that's it's it's a good thing that this has happened in one way, because it's just kind of made us all sit back and go, "Oh, okay, right. We need to change this." And
1: it's not that person you thought was going to put you out of business. It's the world that's put you out of business.
3: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's maybe sorted yeah. some of the wheat from the chaff as well. I think.
2: <laughs> yeah, I really hope you're right in, in, in that respect. Not not necessarily the wheat from the chaff, but. the the bit you mentioned um, there about bringing everyone together and certainly everyone I've been speaking to and keeping in touch with both those that I was in regular touch with before anyway, but also those that I, you know, I maybe saw once or twice, you know, in a couple of months um, at at shows that you just generally say sort of hi to and you have a little five, 10 minute catch up when you did see them. But those those people as well are also sort of looking forward to sort of shows reopening and, and training schools reopening, so of, just I, getting yeah, back on the road and, and clocking those miles up again,
3: isn't it? You know, um, I love a wrestling road trip. To be fair, I uh, l- like the van is usually like my second home, um, but I love it. You know, that part of it is brilliant. So,
2: I think that's what we'll have to do, Brad. When when shows and stuff are back on, is, is take this podcast on the road with us um i i would love to have this again and, and and the fans are probably guessing you know that we're doing this remotely via sort of uh, a voice call or video call but um i would love to be sat in a room and, and have these types of conversations with people sat across a table from them and be able to do this pod you know before maybe, maybe not necessarily before as it's pretty hectic uh getting shows set up but certainly after or if possible during shows to to have these kind of chats. Yeah, uh, Brad, what do you reckon?
0: Definitely. Um, yeah, Hugo. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Um, would love to take this on the road, and as you say, it's a lot easier to do these things face to face, and it's those small, inter- small interactions we've, we've and social few, interactions. Um, so I think Radio that
1: broadcast one. from body slams to cancer. So BBC Radio, I think it was. Yeah. And um, Siren, which is the local community radio station. Um, They broadcast live from the events. You can always feel that come through in a podcast or a, a radio show, I think.
3: Yeah, it's a different atmosphere, isn't it?
2: Well, what can I say? What a great couple. And it was a lot of fun to have Becca and Dutch on the hotline. As we just mentioned, myself and Brad are looking forward to taking this on the road with us, as and when restrictions are lifted across the UK once again, and in fact, Europe. But for this week, that wraps up episode six, ladies and gents. But be sure to join us again next Monday for episode seven. Next week, we'll be speaking with Robin Jeans, who's promoter of Devon Wrestling Association, that's DWA, who will be giving you lucky listeners an insight into wrestling down on the southwest coast. Um, Brad and I have been fortunate enough to get down to Devon a number of times towards the end of 2019 and beginning of 2020. And we look forward to continuing this once shows resume as normal. And it's an enormous honour for us to get Robin onto the hotline uh, for you guys to to speak to and and, and to listen to as well. Um, And remember to be part of the show. If you've got any questions or comments that you'd like to record to be played on air, which will in fact form part of the episode itself, you can record that so easily by visiting anchor.fm forward slash hh hotline forward slash message um you can also continue to send your questions and comments to us via facebook and the link for that is facebook.com forward slash heavyweight heartbreakers or if you're keener on using instagram you can use that as well so on instagram you're looking for at hugo bloom pro wrestler or at brad underscore tannin but until then folks thank you very much for listening and stay safe